Welcome to the Founders Focus Podcast, an open conversation with TechCore founder Gary Beach and those who care about the future of technology. For more than 25 years, TechCore has worked to ensure K through 12th grade students in the United States have equal access to technology programs, skills, and resources that enhance early learning and prepare them for college or career. Founders Focus invites you along for the journey as we examine technology and how it impacts the way we work and live. Hello and welcome to TechCore's Founders Focus podcast series. My name is Gary Beach. I am vice chair and founder of TechCore. We're excited today to start a three-part series focusing on corporate America's role in creating a more diverse technology workforce. In this series, we will speak with three technology executives. Jermaine Henson, Vice President for Software Development Services at Nationwide, Greg Tichetti, Chief Information and Strategy Officer at State Auto Insurance, and Kim Snipes, Executive Vice President and CIO for Consumer and Digital at KeyBank. Why is diversity such an important issue? Here's why. Research reports reveal companies with diverse workforces are one, more productive, they're two, more innovative, three, they more easily attract and retain talent, and four, they have more satisfied customers. But a recent report from the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission says tech workforces are overwhelmingly white Asian males under the age of 40. Moreover, corporate cultures that are inhospitable to women cause more than 50% of female technology workers to leave the field within five years. More has to be done, and thankfully more is being done. And today in part two, we are going to talk with Greg Tichetti from State Farm Insurance to share ideas on how to create a more diverse technology workforce. So Greg Tichetti, thank you for joining us today. Great to be with you, Gary. Uh, can you please tell the, the listeners, Greg, as we start off here, a little bit about your role um, at State Auto Insurance as Chief Information and Strategy Officer. That's a, that's a unique title. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, Gary. Uh, in my career, this year will be uh, 30 years in the insurance industry. And uh, the last six at State Auto have been my, my first stop as a uh, CIO. Uh, but in, in a lot of business, and I think becoming even more so, uh, you, you have to learn and understand how to use technology. And so uh, I brought the 25 years or so of experience uh, into this role six years ago with the mandate from our board to really both culturally and technically transform state auto. Uh, so a whole new leadership team came in and uh, set about both the core systems modernization, a, a people cultural modernization, uh, and also a, a digital transformation based on both of those uh, uh, two prior elements. And so it's been a, a really fun and rewarding six years. And uh, the thing that I'm probably most proud of is, is not the, the massive success we've had on the technical side or the business results, but it's the team and the culture that we've built that, that really gets at the heart of the issue that uh, we're here to discuss today. And that is so important and often overlooked. Uh, what's fascinating, I find, Greg, in talking to technology executives like yourselves over the years, each of you has your own unique story in terms of you know, what your seminal moment was saying, I wanted to get into the tech business. If you could take a moment to uh, share with uh, us here on the podcast, you know, what, what's your career tech story in terms of how you got to, we heard a little bit about the 30 years, but even before that, what, what was, what was uh, your story? 
Uh, you know, like a lot of folks, you know, been blessed in so many ways. My, my father was the first person on his side of the family to go to college because he was good at math up in Baltimore and went into Baltimore Polytech. And uh, when he was in college as a civil engineer at University of Maryland, they did some computer work. So when my brother and I were little, we uh, he invested in a computer. So I was learning to code at a very early age. And, and even the, the public high school I went to in uh, Gaithersburg, Maryland, had a uh, computer lab, which uh, was not too uh, uh, prevalent at the time. So I had early exposure to technology and was always fascinated by it. Uh, when I started my career, after I graduated from the University of Maryland, uh, I was in uh, uh, an underwriting role at Geico, which at the time uh, was mainly a mid-Atlantic company that most people hadn't heard of. So the first five years of my career, I learned this business, soup to nuts in a very uh, I'll call it uh, analog way. Uh, my, my exposure with computers back then was the old IBM black and green screen 3270 terminal that was really fast, but very number intensive and very information poor. Um, but from there, uh, in, in 1995, so I started in 1991, I got sent on a project to replace Geico's policy administration system. And I was sent as one of four user community people across the company. Most of the people on that team were infrastructure or app dev technologists. And, and that was an eye-opening experience for me because as a user, I was dealing with just the, the output, you know, the, the end screens that, you know, were served, being served up by the mainframe at the time. And as you got into all the technical details and, and frameworks and data structures underneath of that, it really opened my eyes to how many things in the industry had been automated, even though we still had a lot of paper and manual processes. And it also got me just intrigued over, you know, what was the art of the possible around true automation? Uh, and from that really, I guess, was the seed to the answer to your question, Gary, that got me really interested in how to intelligently apply technology. And of course, over the years, when you moved into client server architectures, ah, and I remember that GUI, you know, uh, graphical user interface uh, screens, you know, it was always a constant uh, uh, drive to get faster chip speed, faster memory, uh, faster graphics cards, you know, to try and always enhance the experience. And uh, I feel very fortunate that right before State Auto, I was the owner founder of a startup that really brought a lot of that technology and business experience to bear on a specific business problem, uh, which was small business owners didn't have access to a lot of uh, direct to uh, consumer insurance products, which is still ironically the case. Um, and that really gave me a really strong foundation of what, what I call the art of the possible. And then just to give you an example, you know, when I, when I was at Safeco after I left Geico, if you were running a big IT project, a big part of the project planning, uh, and there's a lot of project managers on these big projects, you had to order a lot of servers. You had to, you know, plan for three or four months lead time to get them, you know, ordered, configured, rack stacked. When I did my startup, we uh, we used Amazon, which was the first time I was experienced, uh, you know, uh, exposed to the public cloud, and it just blew my mind that you could go so fast and stand up new instances in Malaysia within 20 minutes, you know, if everything was configured correctly, and brought that experience to bear at State Auto, and then we're a big Amazon customer here, but much more importantly, it, it's really 
uh, as I say, uh, trying to figure out the most intelligent application of technology. And, and it should be towards a business purpose. And in our case, that's to yep. help improve the experience of either our agents or claimants or our policyholders. Well, it's, it's, you're lucky in terms of also the 1991, right before the web really uh, came out, your, your timing was well, 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 uh, well done. What, what is uh, state auto insurance's relationship with TechCore, right? So uh, one of our board members, Dwight Smith, introduced me to Lisa uh, not too long, actually, after I came to uh, Lisa uh, Chambers, who's the national executive chair. Right. Uh, uh, not too long after we moved to Columbus from Seattle in uh, 2016. And, uh, you know, she's an amazing leader and, and I'm, you know, was really, really impressed with her uh, and, and really was honestly blessed that she asked me to, to participate and work with, uh, with TechCore. Um, part of our culture that I mentioned earlier at State Auto is, is a real firm belief that uh, we need to give back and help the world be a little bit better place than we left it, than we found it. And uh, my team particularly, and even across uh, State Auto more broadly, worked with TechCore to do the techie clubs uh, and go over to Livingston Avenue and teach fourth graders how to block code, which has just been, I've done it a few times, it's been really fun. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from one of the little kids was, uh, when are you going to teach me how to be a hacker? <laughs> it's a white hat hacker, right? Oh, yeah, the kids come up with a wonderful yeah. uh, So that was, that was our first uh, exposure from State Auto. And then, of course, I've been on the board for a number of years now. And uh, it's fit very well with uh, one of my uh, non-work-related uh, passions, which is just to create jobs for people. And... Uh, that's a long story for another day, but uh, you know, one of the things that I sit on two boards, TechCore for you know helping uh, at-risk youth get into technology, uh, get exposed to technology in K-12, and then I also sit on Columbus State Foundation board where I have an emphasis on creating uh, associate degree aspiring CS majors and finding them jobs. And uh, one of the things we created at State Auto with uh, Columbus State is a a terrific apprenticeship program that I, I joke with my, my little brothers at Accenture and Chase that they're, uh, they're going to have to work a little harder to keep up with all the apprentices that we're bringing in. Well, good for you. You're going to take, take them off the market. Um, you talked about the art of the possible, Greg, and uh, this is one of the key questions we want to share with you. you know, what is your take? Why is this vibrant, wonderful industry, the tech industry, um, why, after decades of a discussion about this, and this goes back to the 80s, in my case, in terms of seeing it and chronicling it, why does this industry still struggle to build a diverse workforce? It's a really, I think, important and, and complex question. Um, you know, <laughs> the thread through a lot of our conversation today, Gary, for me personally, has been you know, luck, uh, right place at the right time. Yeah. And uh, one of the, I think, elements, you know, uh, you can go back into high school where uh, certain kids were not encouraged to get into STEM programs. Um, the, the interesting thing about the time and place that we are living in right now and, and what we've observed uh, at State Auto with the, the apprenticeship program I just mentioned, you don't have to be a math major. You don't have to be... Um, you know, uh, uh, somebody who's, you know, been deep into STEM programs your whole life. Uh, there's a, a gentleman that interned with us that had been a carpenter for 35 years and said his knees couldn't take it. So he started his first year at C-State 
in a CS program. And we were able to get him a lot of uh, self-learning training with a lot of these cloud native frameworks with Amazon. And he's able to learn how to be a developer. Uh, you know, there's the, uh, obviously, uh, a tech elevator type uh, code boot camps, you know, for 12 weeks. But we have found that, uh, you know, taking somebody who has the desire, and that's why I keep calling this at this point, Gary, really a marketing problem. How do we get in front of folks in, in the, the K-12 and say, you can look at that, that iPhone or that Android phone and, and wonder about all the technology in it, but it's really not that mysterious. You know, there, there's not, uh, when you break it down, uh, you can actually learn how to, to develop in all of those platforms and, and just you just got to make the, the first step to ask for help, you know, to, to want to have some. There's a lot of resources out there for people that, that want to help kids and, and, and even adults who want to get into tech, great technology careers. It's really just getting over that first hurdle to me. That's why I call it a marketing program that, that you know, I can versus there's no way or I can't. And oh, it's, so, it's, no, you're, you're right on. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I've been really blown away by, uh, you know, there's a forever, right? You know, and on our lifetimes, it was you have to have a four-year CS degree. That was everybody's requirement. Yeah. Uh, and I've never felt that way personally. And, and, you know, we proved it out with some of the experimentation here where you take a, a first-year CS major, you know, they've been at C-State for one year, and then now they're working part-time with us and finishing their second year. And they're getting hired by Accenture and Facebook and uh, uh, J.P. Morgan in Columbus here uh, after they exit our, uh, our, our apprenticeship program. So th they're meeting the requirements of these terrific organizations, you know, with really one year of work experience and two years of education, which to me proves that, that with the right training and the right culture, we can solve this problem. Well, it, and you mentioned the right culture, among other things. I mean, it, it's if we rely on just the CS pipeline, that's only going to fill 58,000 jobs a year. Uh, and just yesterday, a report came out uh, from CompTIA, which is an industry certification organization, that suggests there's going to be about 270,000 jobs in 2022 that will go unfilled tech, tech jobs because you know, the, 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 the candidates are not, uh, they're not there. But it cuts to your point uh, which I think is profound, that 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 you know these apprenticeship programs, you know, it, we've we're in an era now where I can take my phone and I can find out anything I want in five seconds. But one one gentleman who was um, the president of a college out in Boston area a couple of years ago, she was speaking at a conference that you and I have been to in, um, over the years, and he goes, in the age of just-in-time learning. It's not what you know that's important. It's what can you do with what you know. This right. whole applied and to your programs, taking these apprentices and one year and the second year they're doing something else and moving along is so important. But what you were also talking about there, I thought it was fascinating. It kind of segues into, into um, uh, you know, my, my, my next question in terms of stakeholders. There's so many stakeholders in, in, in this diverse diversity initiative. There could be, there's education institutions, there's education administrators, there's parents, there's elected officials, there's students. And of course there's, there's corporations uh, like, like state auto. I, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head about 
we have a marketing problem in America here. And who, in your opinion, what group, what constituents, should it be all of them? Is there one of those groups I mentioned that you think should, should, should take the lead in trying to make, uh, you know, solve this marketing problem that you, you talk about? Yeah, it's uh, one of the things I've learned over the last uh, four years where I've really spent a lot of my, uh, my non-work time on this topic is that there are a myriad of organizations, both uh, corporate, uh, non-governmental, governmental, that are all circling around this problem. Yep. And, uh, you know, so, you know, to me, you know, one of the things would be, you know, how do you think about pulling all those together? Uh, I've tried and it, it's not easy because they all have similar but different missions and funding and, and grants. Um, I, 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 if you just ran PSAs and met kids where they are, whether that's, you know, on a game, you know, I, I can guarantee you when I was 12 years old or, or 16, if somebody said, you want a path to $120,000 a year salary, you know, here, go, 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 go find out more at this link. Uh, I guarantee you, I would have taken advantage of that. And, and I have to believe that uh, there's a lot of other uh, folks that would too. And then I, I, I inappropriately use the word kids a lot of times because that's the, the tech core's mission, but it's broader than that. You know, one of the, I mentioned the carpenter, we also have a, a mom with two young kids that wanted to get back into the workforce and change her career. And she's learned how to code. So it's not limited to uh, just, just, you know, our youth, but for me, that's a big focus, uh, obviously with tech core. And it's a good point. And here in the, uh, the midst of the pandemic, one of the one of the challenges Pew Research, Craig, a couple of years ago, was talking about the this allocation in terms of where the talent is and where the work is. So let's go back five years on this. That uh, well, Pew is mentioning that fifty eight percent. I find this number fascinating. Fifty eight percent of Americans live in the same town or state that they were born in. We're not a nation, not a nation of nomads. But I read something just the other day by uh the the response to continuing life and work what have you during the pandemic and you know we, we're zooming here that that is going to go away a little bit so organizations like like uh, state auto could could source talent in in Idaho to do a job that's in Columbus so I think I think that's that's um, uh, that's that's going to help if if you could just briefly what grade would you assign to um, the corporate efforts to be more diverse. If you had to assign a grade level to it, oh, that's that's my probably least favorite question. Uh, <laughs> it, it's hard to, to generalize across all of corporate America. You know, I think the 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 thing for me, uh, you know, some some boards dictate different uh, you know methodologies and how to approach things, but I can only really answer for us at, at State Auto. In, in the core of who we are as, as leaders and as, as a culture, we believe deeply in that, that uh, the importance of having diversity of experience and perspectives around the table is going to get you better business outcomes. And, and if you do believe that as we do, then you will do whatever you need to do to try to make sure that you gain that diversity. And, you know, a lot of times we talk about color and gender and uh, other, other dimensions, but it's, 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 to me, it's much richer than that. You know, mm -hmm. if you have somebody who grew up a, a very different than somebody else and they have that experience around the table, 
it helps cover your blind spots when you're designing or, or solving on business problems. And to me, that's the core of, of what you're trying to solve for is, is get things most right the first time when you're working on complex business problems and trying to solve issues for customers. Uh, to give you a, you know, a real world example, one of the products that we offer is, is called a business owner policy. It's a small package policy for think about your, your local cleaners or yep. uh, restaurant. Um, you know, we today do not have anybody uh, with a Hispanic background working in that, that, that product line. And there is a very vibrant, uh, as with a lot of other ethnicities, uh, a small business community. To me, if you really want to understand that community, you have to have people in your company that understand the needs and, and desires of those, uh, those customers so that you can design products to, to meet and exceed their expectations. Right. Uh, otherwise, you're just taking a guess based on whatever your experience and biases are. And so that to me is the essence of what we're trying to accomplish. And, you know, if I had to give us a grade, I'd say we're probably uh, a B minus C plus. We have a long way to go. But uh, I think our our philosophical approach is, is spot on. And it's just going to take time to, to build out the kind of diversity that I think we need for the long haul. I, I think you are, are being a little bit underestimating what, what you're doing there. I would, I would give you a solid A, uh, but, but it does cut to, you know, one of the uh, challenges I've seen in not only just diversity, but getting businesses to, to help out in, in the in educational tech side is, is it's like boiling the ocean. You know, yeah. they, they look at it, they know it's a problem. They jump in, they do it for six months and they go, Have, we haven't moved the needle. And it's such a homegrown kind of thing, like you're doing at state, state all in terms of making it culturally part of part of the company. Um, and you know, what, one of the things you had mentioned in your in the earlier conversation here, I want to touch on uh, keeping in the educational side. I just finished reading a book entitled "All I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten." <laughs> uh, it's not a long story. You can. It was really it was read to me at a wedding recently. Oh yeah. Uh, no, I didn't get married, but but the bridegroom, <laughs> uh, their parents read the book. Uh, at what what just off the top of your head, what what grade level um, should America's public schools you know begin to uh, implement basic computer science curriculum? In your opinion, yeah, yeah it's not my area of expertise by any stretch, but uh, you know, I'd say the sooner the better, right? I know with my kids, we had them, you know, on keyboards at a very early age and who knows, you know, by the time their kids are growing up, there may not even be keyboards anymore. Um, yeah, I think, you know, getting exposed to the basics of math and, and science and, and that kind of scientific process to, you know, have an hypothesis and trying to explore it, those kind of basics, uh, no matter what you choose to do in life, I think will be very helpful. Uh, and then really the technology component kind of just as an enabler, uh, sure. you mentioned the phone and being able to answer any question. Um, there's all kinds of technology that can be applied to, to all kinds of problems today. You know, machine learning, artificial intelligence been around for 60 years, but we're living at a time right now where uh, you're starting to see the productivity and, and, and customer facing benefits really start to explode through the use of those advanced algorithms. And, um, the sooner the, the better, I guess. Is, yeah, is. I, I tend to agree with you. It's, it's, I found curiosity also as a, is a, is, as a parent, grandparent is to nurture that. Uh, 
and and it's 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 like um, I heard someone speak. This might have been Ginny Romney when she was running IBM. She was at a conference, and she said, "Never ask a child what do they want to be when they grow up." And then she paused. She says, "She said, only ask them what problem do you want to solve." I love that. Isn't yeah. that great? I mean, you take that and then you just run with it. So my grandson, I don't know if he ever will do this, but he's six years old and he's fascinated about clean air. I'm not fascinated, but he's interested in it. So if he wants to go down that path, he is then going to self-direct his interests in terms of, you know, you know, whatever his, his, his curriculum, you know, would be. Yeah, I love that. That's uh, great. Uh, just as we come to, to closing up here, Greg, what, what, if you could just briefly, what, what three things would you suggest to, to uh, other uh, CIOs who are listening to you here, getting inspired? What, what, what do they need to do on their to-do list uh, to emulate the program you've got going um, at State Auto? Uh, so I guess first, uh, and I've always kind of thought this way, but I think uh, Amazon's kind of made it more popular is, uh, work backwards, you know, uh, sit down and, and think about two years, three years, five years from now, what, what you want to be able to say uh, with respect to your employee base and, and your diversity. And then, you know, kind of draw that aspiration out and then think, you know, what things do I need to put in place to, to live into that? Uh, it's really easy in the day to day to lose track of, you know, where you're trying to get to. Uh, so that's always an exercise that I have felt has been uh, really important. Um, the, the second piece is, you know, get some like-minded people and key positions in your team that, you know, can drive it. Um, I obviously feel very strongly about these things, but to be very blunt, I haven't done most of the work. Uh, and there's, there's two terrific ladies on my team that have built most of the apprenticeship program and built a lot of the women in technology programs we have at State Auto. Uh, and I'm happy to sponsor them, but I, I put the right people in the right place to, to help get that going and then very publicly sponsor them. So those are two ideas that I would suggest to, to anyone to, to try to think about where you're where you want to end up and then kind of sketch out what, th what things need to be done. But, you know, the key is getting the right team in place and making sure that uh, you are articulating why this is important as, as in, in my case, a business uh, imperative and making sure that folks have the time to understand why you want to do what you want to do and let them work through whatever questions they may have. But yeah. uh, if you don't sketch out where you're trying to get to, it's likely you'll never get there. Uh, you have to plan your work, work your plan. And I like, like your concept of looking backwards to move forwards. And, and great, Takeda, you've given our listeners here today uh, lots of information uh, to think forward and act and, and uh, make this a even more vibrant industry than it is. So, Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, you're a leader that uh, we all would like to emulate you more of. So, that's very once kind. again, Greg Tichetti, Chief Information and Strategy Officer, of State Auto Insurance. Thank you. Hope to see you soon, Greg. Thanks. My pleasure.